0: Listener-supported St. Gabriel Catholic Radio AM 820 brings you Family Sanctuary, a show that inspires living the gospel message in word and deed within our families. And now, Family Sanctuary with host Peggy Hartshorn.
1: Welcome to Family Sanctuary, focusing on life-giving relationships and the family. I'm your host, Peggy Hartshorn, chairman of Heartbeat International that advances life-affirming pregnancy help around the world. Our program today on Family Sanctuary is part of a series on issues surrounding the dignity of the person, especially on abortion. With the fall of Roe v. Wade in the Dobbs decision, abortion is again front and center, and there are efforts in almost every state to make abortion a guaranteed right. Now is the time to understand the truth about abortion, the science, and also what our church teaches, because there are so many lies that you will be hearing in the media, online, and even from friends and family. Now's the time to learn and share the truth. So today's program is focused on God's truth on abortion. And I am so pleased to let you know that our guest is Bishop Earl Fernandez, the Bishop of the Diocese of Columbus, who is truly an expert on the Church's teaching, and particularly on the dignity of, of human life and abortion, which I know is is so near and dear to his heart, our Church's teaching. So welcome to our program, Bishop Fernandez.
0: Well, thank you, Peggy. It's great to be here.
1: I, uh, it's amazing that you have carved out time to be with us and to and to share uh, the the church's the beautiful truth of 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 the dignity of the human person and the truth about abortion that uh, the Catholic Church has been so so consistent in teaching through the centuries and
0: well the, the American bishops have taught uh, and continue to teach that the abortion is the preeminent moral issue but it touches upon. The dignity of the human person. Uh, A human person uh, is willed by God into creation, is made for God, made to love, uh, and for love. And so we have to consider, well, who is the human person if we're going to consider the dignity of the human person? Uh, And Boethius would say, well, a person is an individual substance of a rational nature. But we in a Catholic or Christian anthropology would say the human person is made in the image and likeness of God. Certainly the book of Genesis uh, bears witness to that. And when God makes man and woman, he looks at all of creation, which he had already declared good, and he declares his creation very good. Thus, man and woman are the crown of all creation. Uh, they are asked to be stewards of all of creation, including the gift of human life. So, but God said, let us make man in our own image, and male and female he made them. So God made man in his image and likeness. So that's the first characteristic of a, of a person. The second, though, is that we are uh, a unity of body and soul. That is, we are our bodies. Uh, the body is not something simply to be used. It's not merely, ne- merely matter. It's part and parcel of who we are, so we're a unity of body and soul. Philosophers spoke of the soul as the form of the body, using uh, Aristotelian hylomorphic theory, anima forma corpore. So we are made in God's image and likeness. We are a unity of body and soul. We are endowed with an intellect so we can know what is good and with free will so that we can choose what is good. Free will, freedom is not the same thing as license, doing whatever we want. Freedom acknowledges that there is a creator and that their freedom inter, interacts and engages with the truth. And so we want to speak about the dignity of the human person made in God's image and likeness, including the dignity of the unborn child, who possesses the same nature as a born, a born child, uh, a, a, young, a young person, uh, an adult, or an elderly person. We all share in that same human nature. When the church speaks about the dignity of the human person, though, there are common, two kind of common forms of dignity that are discussed in, in the modern day, attributed dignity and inherent dignity. Attributed dignity gives dignity to the person based on abilities. Uh, based on physical characteristics, beauty or height, attributes of the person, uh, based on career or wealth or those sorts of things, your attributes. And when people, for example, lose their good looks, lose their physical athletic abilities, even lose some of their bodily functions, they claim to have a loss of dignity. Inherent dignity, on the other hand, comes in virtue simply of being a person, independent of what we do or how productive we are or what we look like, independent of our attributes, simply by being made in God's image and likeness, we have dignity. The Church's teaching regarding abortion is based on this fundamental principle of the dignity of each and every person. Each and every person is unique and irrepeatable. And so from the very beginning of our tradition, The church has opposed abortion. Now, we see that even in early Christian writings like the Didache. The 20th century saw terrible crimes against human life. The two world wars, the concentration camps, the use of the atom bomb, uh, the persecution that happened during communist times. At the time of the Second Vatican Council, which was held between 1962 and 1965, the fathers of the Second Vatican Council and the pastoral constitution on the church in the modern world Gaudium et Spes, wrote this. They said, The Church issues a reminder that a true contradiction cannot exist between divine laws pertaining to the transmission of life and those pertaining to authentic conjugal love. For God, the Lord of life, has conferred on men the surpassing ministry of safeguarding life in a manner which is worthy of man. Therefore, from the moment of its conception, life must be guarded with the greatest care, while abortion and infanticide are unspeakable crimes. That's how the council itself referred to abortion. It was only after that that abortion began to become legalized. In the United States, in 1973, we had the horrific Roe v. Wade decision, which was in place right up until uh, the Dobbs decision uh, in uh, 2022. Then in 1974, the Congregation for the Doctrine of the Faith Declared, had a declaration on procured abortion where they declared that abortion is an intrinsically evil act and that procedures like abortion and sterilization should not occur in Catholic, uh, in Catholic facilities. It would seem that in the Catholic tradition there was no question about abortion. And yet, as faith in Western society began to, to weigh, uh, to, to wane, we began to see more and more people say, Well, I'm personally opposed to abortion, but privately, uh, I, I, but publicly, I, I'm in favor of it. But, and people used to say, Well, I want abortion to be safe, legal, and rare, which they're not saying now. Even Catholics now are not. Many Catholics now are not saying it. And some of that has to do with a, a loss in the faith in God. So during the year for faith, then Pope Benedict XVI said, The important thing today, as was the, the desire of the Council of Fathers, is that we see clearly and anew that God is present, that he is watching over us, that he responds to us, and that, by contrast, when faith in God is found wanting, all that is essential crumbles, because man loses his profound dignity and what makes man, what makes his humanity great in the face of every form of reductionism. The Council reminds us that the Church and all her members has the task mandate of transmitting the word of God's saving love so that the divine call that holds within itself our eternal beatitude may be heard and welcomed. And it's not just that Pope Benedict said this. Pope Francis also uh, talked about this in his apostolic exhortation, which is programmatic for his whole pontificate. He says, among the vulnerable for whom the Church wishes to care with particular love and concern are unborn children the most defenseless and innocent among us. Nowadays, efforts are made to deny them their human dignity and to do with them whatever one pleases, taking their lives and passing laws, preventing anyone from standing in the way of this. Frequently, as a way of ridiculing the church's effort to defend their lives, attempts are made to present her position as ideological, obscurantist, and conservative. Yet this defense of unborn life is closely linked to the defense of each and every other human right. It involves the conviction that a human being is always sacred and inviolable in any situation at every stage of development. Human beings are ends in themselves and never a means of resolving other problems. Once this conviction disappears, so do solid and lasting foundations for the defense of human rights, which would always be subject to the passing whims of the powers that be. Reason alone is sufficient to recognize the inviolable value of each single human life but if we also look at the issue from the standpoint of faith, every violation of the personal dignity of the human being cries out in vengeance to God and is an offense against the creator of the individual. That is in Evangelii Gaudium number 213, but you could not find stronger words than that. If, the un- if we cannot protect the right to life of the unborn child, then every other human right becomes subject to the whims of the powerful, and a a war of the powerful against the weak uh, is carried out. And And that type of violence is not worthy of the human person. Pope Francis makes it very clear that reason can recognize this. Science proves it. So our program today is entitled God's Truth, but in fact, a reasonable person looking at the scientific data could come to the conclusion that this is a human life worthy of protection and care. Right? But even if you didn't, even in light of faith, knowing that we're made in God's image and likeness, Pope Francis says from the standpoint of faith, of faith, to deprive a person of his, dig- his dignity to take another innocent person's life is a crime that cries out to vengeance from heaven. Elsewhere, Pope Francis has described abortion as the hiring of a sicario, a hitman. That is... He says, you know, we look at a child as a problem to be eliminated. But people aren't problems. They're not ends to me. You know, they're not means to an end to be disposed of. He laments the throwaway culture, and we're throwing away people these days. Rather, a person is made in God's image and likeness to be cherished and to be cared for and to be loved and to be accompanied. Mm -hmm. Our problems don't easily go away, but the way we confront our problems is different because of our faith. Uh, in Jesus Christ. Again, we have the last three popes saying this. Catechism, the Catechism of the Catholic Church also teaches about abortion being wrong in each and every instance and that human life needs to be respected. For example, in paragraph 20, uh, 2270, uh, human life must be respected and protected absolutely from the first moment of conception. From the first moment of his existence, a human being must be recognized as having the rights of a person, among which is the inviolable right of every innocent being to life. The Congregation for the Doctrine of Faith in 2008, in its document on artificial reproductive technologies called Gignitas Personae, also talked about this, that the embryo must be treated as a person, so that we can't just use persons as objects for our own means and and for our own ends, and that the ends don't justify the means. Again, in paragraph uh, 2271, 2271, the Catechism also teaches, since the first century of the Church, since the first century, the Church has affirmed the moral evil of every procured abortion. This teaching has not changed and remains unchangeable. Direct abortion, that is to say abortion willed either as a means or as an, end, as an end or a means, is gravely contrary to the moral law. Moreover, Catholics cannot participate in procuring abortion or facilitating abortion. I already mentioned the 1974 document from the Congregation for the Doctrine of the Faith. The Catechism goes on to say that formal cooperation in abortion constitutes a grave offense. The Church attaches the canonical penalty of excommunication to this crime against human life for example the abortionist who carries out the abortion. Moreover, it says that the inalienable right to life of every innocent human individual is a constitutive element of a civil society and its legislation necessary for the common good. Because if we don't if we can't guarantee the life of an innocent, how can we guarantee the life of anyone else in in society? More, the Catechism of the Catholic Church says that the moment of positive law, which is what issue one, the proposed constitutional amendment in Ohio, is aiming to do, the moment of positive law deprives a category of human beings of the protection which civil legislation ought to accord them, the state is denying the equality of all before the law. When the state does not place its power at the service of the rights of these citizens, and in particular of the more vulnerable, the very foundations of a state based on law are undermined. In this sense, in the United States, in our sad history, the court had declared the black man not to be a person, but to be property in the Dred Scott decision. But it was clear to reason that he was a man made in God's image and likeness. And so we are repeating the mistakes of the past and undermining the basis of society. And the same could be true of... The embryo. You know, people want. The infertility is a great uh, problem today uh, for a variety of reasons, um, and many people want children, but they they um, resort to means of artificial uh, reproductive technologies, such as in vitro fertilization, and they're willing to sacrifice embryos in order to have children. But to sacrifice an embryo is also to sacrifice a child because the embryo has all, every, everything it takes to grow into uh, a child. All the genetic material is there. It's already, the programming is already there. Sometimes we think, well, it's just cells. But we must every time we, think, we hear the word embryo, we should think person. And so people also, though, suffer from many diseases. And they say, well, if we experiment on embryos, if we do this research, then we can come up with cures for diseases but they haven't really been able to find cures from diseases through embryonic stem cell research. And in fact, in the last century, there were experiments conducted upon persons. We can think of what was done at the camps, and even experiments on children, or even in Tuskegee, Alabama, the the experimentation on black people. Uh, And and for what? The ends do not justify the means, and so uh, Uh, Abortion is the the stepping stone to a variety of other evils, and part of it is is rooted in not recognizing the dignity of the human person. Uh, And so we see this even in end-of-life issues with euthanasia, for example. People say they experience this loss of dignity, attributed dignity. They feel like they're a burden to their families. And so they think, well, the best thing is physician-assisted suicide or to have somebody else put me out of my misery. And that's where the Church has to step up to accompany uh, the, the elderly and the sick to offer them compassion. Compassion means to suffer with another. But the same sense of accompaniment also goes hand-in-hand hand with the Church teaching on abortion. Certainly we want to defend the right of the unborn child to protect the right to life of an individual. But in the Gospel of Life, Evangelium Vitae, which John Paul II wrote, um, you know, he he talks about uh, what God offers, about man being called to the fullness of life, and that um, God, you know, sent his Son into the world to give us life, and that that there are many other things, uh, but that death has entered into our world. And he uses the story of Cain and Abel, you know, and, and... Abel offers the best of his flock to God. Cain does not, and, and God favors Abel. Um, but then Cain um, becomes jealous. And God warns Cain, look, the evil is creeping at your door, but you can resist it. But Cain says to his brother Abel, come, let us go out to the fields. And there he slew his own brother, and human blood was spilt for the first time in, in history. And God said to Cain, where is your brother Abel? And... Cain arrogantly said, what, am I my brother's keeper? And the answer, John Paul II says, is that, yes, we are always each other's keepers. God does not kill Cain. Cain retains his personal dignity, yet God cannot leave the crime unpunished. Uh, And so uh, Cain is sent into exile, yet he's given a protective mark upon him so no one takes his life. But John Paul II says, look, We're beginning a new type of uh, uh, category of attacks on the beginning of human life by denying the unborn child legal recognition and by experimenting upon the embryo. And some of it is a crisis of culture, a loss of meaning of who we are called to an eternal destiny. But also people assert a right to abortion without accepting the corresponding duty We have rights, and we have duties that go hand in hand. We say, okay, unborn children should have a right to life. We have a duty as Catholics to care for our brothers and sisters and to accompany them. The Catholic Church, you know, does a lot in terms of accompanying people who are in poverty. We could think of St. Vincent de Paul Society, Catholic Charities. We do a lot in terms of accompanying women here in Columbus, Pregnancy Decision Health Centers, the Women Care Center, uh, Birthright, uh, Heartbeat International. All these types of groups accompany women and their children at the beginning of life, teaching life skills. We can think of our Catholic schools, which are open to so many, both Catholics and non-Catholics alike, including the poor, and how they educate and form people so that they can get good jobs and grow in the virtues. We can think of Catholic health care, Mount Carmel system or Mercy, or these types of Catholic hospital systems throughout the country. And again, we offer compassionate care, birthing centers. Uh, accompanying the elderly and the sick as part of the proclamation of the kingdom of God. So the Catholic Church does a lot, not just for unborn life and defending the rights of the innocent, but of accompanying mothers, children, families, uh, the sick, the poor. It's all part of our continuum of life. Yet, because over time, in the the United States, 50 years we had the Roe versus Wade decision, over time the conscience becomes dulled. Mm-hmm. and I think this is what's happened. We began to tolerate, 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 and people began to think, because it's legal, it's okay. Not hearing the cries of the unborn children or the women who are left, you know, depressed and in anguish after having an abortion. Certainly the Church has programs like Project Rachel to help them find healing and forgiveness, and certainly we have the Sacrament of Penance and Reconciliation. But what happens is we allow a culture of death to be built up. Where, the, where we have a war of the powerful against the weak, the unborn child, the ill, the elderly. They're seen as enemies who use up precious resources. And there has been an individual and a collective and kind of cons- what I would call conspiracy against life through the promotion of abortion. Abortion clearly violates the commandment, the fifth commandment, thou shalt not kill. Moreover, Pope Francis, in, com- in his own commentary about uh, the Fifth Commandment. He also says indifference kills. Right? So sometimes we might say, well, I'm personally opposed to abortion, but we do absolutely nothing to accompany women and children, or we have to do absolutely nothing to use the the, the the political tools at our disposal, such as voting, uh, to defend the rights of the vulnerable, such as the unborn. Indifference kills, because it says, you do not matter to me. And so all of these sorts of things are attacks on human life. Sometimes under the guise of concern for the environment, people say, "Well, we have too many people on this planet, therefore we need to have abortion and we need to promote contraception and so on and so forth. Look how many poor people? Well which poor people do you want to get rid of? Usually, it's the wealthy countries telling the poor countries you have too many people. Usually, it's the Anglos telling brown people yellow people and so, and then black people there's too many of you. And so there's this type of conspiracy. Abortion, we should say, and Margaret Sanger in particular, the founder of Planned Parenthood, targets minority communities. There were too many Puerto Ricans, too many blacks in her area, and they wanted, there was a type of eugenic project. And we wonder why there's so much violence in our cities, so much violence against minorities, so much gun violence. When we wage war against the unborn, why should we be surprised? that there is a war being waged against other vulnerable people in society. And so here we are with this great war against the vulnerable. Mm -hmm. And we have a duty as Catholics because we have been given the gift of faith, because we have been given the teachings of the Church, because we have been given the sacramental life of the Church to witness to the goodness of human life and to really truly be martyrs, that is, witnesses for the cause of life. And Bishop Fernandez, back.
1: I know you asked me to to tell you when you're we're almost out of time. We've got about three minutes left, and I just want to encourage our listeners to re-listen to this program. <laughs> it's been profound. Um, you've you've started with the Didache, one of the earliest Christian or the earliest Christian document of teaching. Uh, Uh, going through our beautiful statements and teaching from our last three popes, uh, including our present Pope Francis, of course, uh, the documents of the church, the uh, catechism, the teaching is so clear. Um, And, and, and thank you for summarizing for us too. Why is this happening? Our consciences have become dulled. Uh, We're in a period of, of lack of faith, uh, in this world and, um, it, and we built up a culture of death. Uh, you've just That's done right
0: and, and, but Pope John Paul II also says that we are called to build a civilization of love. Uh, Bishop Campbell consecrated the Diocese of Columbus to the Sacred Heart. And so within the theology of the Sacred Heart and the, the devotion to the Sacred Heart, there's the idea of reparation. It used to be that the Thursdays before First Fridays were days of doing reparation and penance for sins. And John Paul II said, well, one way of doing reparation is on the ash heap of the rubble of the 20th century, we need to build the civilization of love. And so to provide a firm foundation, he, he suggested doing penance in order to repair the damage so that we have a solid foundation for building up the civilization of love. Of all the reasons to be against abortion, I would say look at the face of a child, for there you begin to see the face of God himself. I think one of the things about the United States that we're truly blessed with is freedom. And yet in Evangelium Vitae, John Paul II said, to claim the right to abortion, infanticide, and euthanasia, and to recognize that right in law, means to attribute to human freedom a perverse and evil significance, that of an absolute power over others and against others. This is the death of true freedom. He knew what it was like to be oppressed in communist Poland, right, and during the Nazi times. Now we are faced with a new type of tyranny of the strong against the weak. And so we have to recover our sense not only of conscience, but of authentic freedom, which is never freedom from something, but freedom for something, freedom for love, freedom for authentic life. Freedom to stand in solidarity with the weak and vulnerable, including the unborn child. So to say no to abortion is to utter a great yes to the gift of human life and to the God who made every person in his image likeness, to say yes to the God of life. And that is what we are about as Catholics, to be a people of life who nourish life, cherish life, defend life, and protect life. We are a people of life.
1: Thank, thank you so much, Bishop Fernandez. That was a beautiful, beautiful teaching, and as I mentioned, I hope that our listeners will listen to this over and over and over again to let God's truth soak into each one of us. So thank you again to our Bishop of the Diocese of Columbus, Bishop Fernandez, for that beautiful teaching. Um, we like to give a couple of practical resources at the end of our programs, specifically for issue one. One, look at the Ohio Catholic Conference, at Ohio Catholic Conference org for information for how to get involved, what to do, uh, if you, if God is calling you to do something specific in regard to issue one, go to gcrtl.org, Greater Columbus Right to Life.org, and to remind you, you're listening to the Family Sanctuary on Saint Gabriel Catholic Radio. I'm your host Peggy Hartshorn. Please join us again to strengthen our families and make them sanctuaries of life as God intends. And Bishop Fernandez, would you close us with your blessing, please?
0: Sure. May the blessing of Almighty God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit come down upon you and remain with you forever and ever. Amen.
1: Amen. Family
0: Sanctuary is a production of listener-supported St. Gabriel Catholic Radio, AM820. Archives of Family Sanctuary with Peggy Hartshorn are available at stgabrielradio.com.